What's up, y'all? This is Tony Powell, and you're listening to Powell to the People, the podcast, episode 179. Once again, the finest cast in the whole podcasting universe has reconvened. When I want to know what's going on with the New York City transit scene, there's no expert I trust more than my cousin, Mr. Keith Powell. What's going on, Keith? Man, I'm good. How y'all guys feeling? And when I want to talk local TV news, there's no expert I trust more than my favorite director, my brother, Mr. Mark Powell's in the house. What's going on, Mark? What's up, fam? What's up, world? And when I want to talk local New York City real estate, there's no expert I trust more than the man I call Mr. Eddie Kane Jr. The world knows him as Derek Powell. I call him my cousin. What's going on, DP? Oh, man, everything is good. Always good to be in the cipher with the cats. How you guys doing? We're well. It's President's Day weekend. It's that that uh, funky time of year when we're kind of looking forward to spring, but we still know we got a few more weeks of winter left. And so right now we're just enjoying those winter type things, uh, including uh, the NBA All-Star game. And I'll start, start the conversation with that. Uh, we all watched the game yesterday. Most of us, I know, Mark, you had to kind of go to sleep early. Yeah. But uh, most of us watched the game. And I thought what I, I was really excited to see, I mean, I watched All-Star Saturday night. And let me just say this about All-Star Saturday night. I like the skills competition, the way they made the adjustment there, making teams. I thought that was fun to watch. The three-point contest, to me, has now become my favorite event to watch. They need to do something about the slam dunk contest. Either get rid of it, put it on Friday night or early on Saturday, but that cannot be the highlight of the evening because that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon... And 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 uh, what's what's his face? Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine ruined it for everybody with that display that they, those guys put on. Um, none of these contests in the last couple of years are going down as as all time iconic. And we, you know, as I'm saying it, as I say slam dunk contest right away, the images that go through our minds are seeing Julius with the with the you know full court run jump from the free throw line and then Jordan duplicating that Jordan and Dominique we're seeing Spud Webb in our minds um, we're seeing the Vince Carter show where I remember Dwight Howard show even uh, and Blake Griffin jumping over the car but these and the, and, as, and the aforementioned Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine but outside of that there has been nothing to cheer for. In a minute, I'm not. I, I I did not enjoy that at all. I don't like the idea of these guys having multiple, multiple, That's multiple chances to do the dunk. Uh, it slows it down. It takes away the anticipation. I thought it was horrible. I, I, am I alone, or do you guys feel the same? You're right. I, I, I agree with you 100. I concur. I I think what they need to do with with the dunk contest is you can't be having three and four attempts when you get the ball. You start dribbling. And you get ready to go up, even if you don't go up. That's an attempt. And I think if they they do it that way, then these guys wouldn't be trying wouldn't be trying to do dunks that are just ridiculous. That's you know it takes the uh, the, the the excitement away because after a while, man, I'm flipping channels, man. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Oh, he gets there. Hold up, move it there. Move the ball there. You know, spit in the air. Is the wind blowing? Nah, man. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Oh, I got to change. I'm going to put Timberland. Nah, I'm not here for all that. You come out in that outfit that you're going to dunk in, and you get one shot going up there. If you miss it, you know, that's that's it. 
So that way you That's a zero. That's yeah. a zero. What's the big deal? But the guy Cole and Green, I I I couldn't take it any longer. I I I, I turned away. I really turned away because I said, This is just too much. It's too much. Mm-hmm. You know Yeah, no, they they, they were shouting it down. Yeah. Hey, on, on Dirk's point, you know, back in my youth when I was a dunker, you did what you know. You don't go out there on on the day of the dunk contest decide we're gonna try this. The Timberland thing was has been done in New York City from when I was a young kid. That's nothing new. Uh, the, every time they they trying to jump, trying to break between their legs or behind their back. If you ain't did it before, why are you trying now? Why are you gonna try to throw off the side of the backboard if you didn't practice it? It's just I'm glad, well, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm sure guys are not dunkers. They just not dunkers. They just in game dunkers or or fast break dunkers but not the creativity that they need to be at this, this level of dunking now. I'm pretty sure they practiced it, but they've never practiced it. I mean, I mean, you probably practice it after practice it after practice, but it's not like when you got all those all-stars watching and then the people on TV and then all that theater, suddenly, you know, you lose four or five inches as you go up or the ball is suddenly slippery. So that's when all that happens. I well, mean, also, the big, yeah. So what I would give you to say then after you did the first attempt, you see that it didn't work well. Maybe you should change your routine. Well, that have an A B plan. Yeah, I mean, I would just the, the problem with the NBA with this dunk contest is, as Anthony said earlier, it was on a slide on its way out the door. Quite frankly, and then Zach and and Gordon like thought, oh, you know, maybe it's not that bad. But that was the anomaly. It had been dying for years. It had been going like in a in a crapper with a bunch of guys doing the seventeen attempts. And moreover, guys, who the hell is like who the hell is that player? I mean, I think somebody brought the point on one of the shows I was listening to. I mean, Obi Toppin won. I think Obi Toppin plays 11 to 15 minutes a game. So he's yeah. barely, I mean, I know he's on an NBA team, but he's barely on the NBA. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> so for him to win the dunk contest, like, who the, I mean, we know who he is because we're in the Tri State area, right. but who the hell is Obi Toppin? Who the hell is, uh, some, t- some the Golden State Tusk guy from Golden State. Oh, right. exactly. Yeah. If I if we four of us watch basketball, play attention to basketball, and we're like, "What's that guy's name?" You know, the <laughs> you know, nobody can just readily call anybody's name. So I would just do away with it all together. But the problem with the NBA is they still think it's a, it's a marquee event. I would just scrap it, or maybe something. Try. I was thinking this on the way home. Okay, fine. We don't. You want to keep this dunk contest in some form? How about you just do this? How about you play like a game of horse, but in this way, if the game of horses make it an NBA because you don't want to have you know those guys up there doing forty dunks for play a horse. Make it NBA essentially the game of horse, but only one of your letters can be a dunk. So you could do all kinds of trick shots, but you only get the chance to save your dunk for when you want to try to put somebody out. You can do it first for you know for all that matters, but just something because this dunk thing. I mean, we've seen almost everything. Unless you're gonna raise the roof, uh, raise the rim to twenty feet. What else can you see that you go? Oh wow, I didn't think anybody could do that. It's just. It's a dead event, and in the marquee event, as my brother said earlier, should be the three-point shooting contest. That's the marquee event, especially the way the game well, is played the, today. The game has changed. Yes. The, the game has changed. Steph Curry has changed the game. I, you know, I you know I like your idea, Mark. I think I think a game of horse would be exciting, or or have one of these sponsors put up a couple of million dollars and try to attract. Marquee I like guys, that. I like that. You know, uh, like I, I'm just trying. I, you know, I mean, obviously LeBron is 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 past his time in terms of doing that. Uh, but but get some of these superstars who would who could go out there and do their thing, but put up uh, put up a you know all or nothing. 
uh, you know, a couple of million dollars for 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 the winner and make it worthwhile. Uh, and certainly, and certainly, you know, I think Nate Robinson, when he won that dunk contest after the 50,000 oh tries gosh. he had to get it, that should have been, that should have ended that process yes. right there. You know, I, I don't like the idea of giving them, you know, 30 seconds to complete as many dunks as they can and kick the, I don't like that either. The old days, one and done. You missed it. You got a zero. Hey, you I, got two tries to make it. If you didn't make it in the second try, it was a zero. Right. Along I got your sponsor an idea, guys. idea about, I'm sorry. Along, along, your, along your sponsor idea, remember, if you're taking, like, quote-unquote marquee guys, a couple, I mean, to us, a couple million dollars doesn't mean anything to them. But say you say strip the million dollars, two million dollars, okay, fine. We're not going to give you one million, two million dollars to participate in a dunk contest in which you don't want to do. But we'll give you one, two million dollars to give to a charity. Hey, Charity X, listen, you, you, yeah, I, I know everybody can, you know, can use a million dollars, but if they don't want to do that because they're scared or they don't want the embarrassment or the aggravation, but they're cheap with their money, most of these guys. So, okay, fine. Go out there and dunk a couple of balls and maybe, you know, you get a million dollars for your trade. But in this point, but also with incentive, if the top level is a million dollars and you got four dunkers, I'm not going to dunk and not get anything. So at least every charity gets something. So it's a million dollars, you know, seven fifty. Right. That's how you just step right. it down. So at least you say, okay, fine. I did nothing, but my charity got. Well, I didn't win, but my charity got at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something, something like that. Because coming out of their own pockets, these guys aren't usually doing that for charity. That's publicized. I mean, they'll. I mean, they'll, I mean this, I'm say that's not publicized. They'll do it for public, you know, publicized all the time. But they rather buy jewelry than give a charity to you know. Right. We get money to charity. Okay, even, okay, even if you give it the money to charity, and you can still again the sponsors, you you know, you have auto sponsors, yeah, really, it's key or whomever. Give them a car. Give them a couple of cars. Mm-hmm. Give them, uh, you know, the products that that the NBA NBA uses. Give them those products, and and you know, give them one, and maybe donate. You know, if if it's Dell computers, and have you know X amount of Dell computers donated. Make it so that the, the that the prestige of the event means something. Or yeah. as I said, put it on Friday night and and, and <laughs> let it rock no. because there's no point in wasting all our time watching that. I was up and I. And, I was mad at myself. I was mad at myself when it was all over. I said, I can't believe it's damn near midnight. I stayed up watching this bullshit. It was on that late? Till midnight. It was, yeah, it was like, uh, it started. Yeah, it started I mean, by, the time they, yeah. by the time they finished. Wow. But what I think they should the do. It was the next day. Yeah, but I think they should do is outsource it to get maybe four or five of dunkers throughout the, 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 the nation here versus the NBA guys. And I think that would up to Annie. Like you said, oh. get them a sponsor, a million-dollar prize for the best dunker. Outside dunkers versus NBA dunkers. NBA and guys the best NBA dunkers chance. versus guys from the outside. And, and that, they're not going to take that chance. They have no way in the world you're going to take a chance of some no-name showing you up. Well, that's, 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 that, that means you got to bring your goddamn A-game. You or, can't be having four or five or six chances to do a dunk. Or they, well, or they ain't gonna show up. Or they ain't gonna show up like they've been doing. But I wanted to to bring up one thing that Mark just 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 said something about charities and wanted to shout the uh, the NBA out with what they did with the HBCU um, game with Howard and Morgan, man. And then I don't know if you guys caught it. They had a chick from excuse me, a student from North Carolina <laughs> AC. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina A and T that did the- send your letters to Derek. <laughs> I, you see, I stop 
right? And she did an interview with uh, Carl Anthony Towns, man. And it blew, saw that, yo, yeah. it blew, she was from A&T. She's a student. What an incredible job, man. And I, I wanted them to be, you know, acknowledged with at least, you know, they're pushing the HBCUs on the basketball side tip. And for those kids to be able to go there and play in Cleveland on Saturday on the same court. In front of, in front right. of all those folks on the same court that the NBA All-Stars played, I thought it was outstanding, man. Was Great cool. job to the NBA for that, man, for pushing the HBCUs. Agreed, 100%. Good, good, good call on that one. Um, I think the thing for me that I enjoyed the most of the, of the weekend, and I, I mentioned, to you, uh, mentioned this to you guys off the air, was the NBA 75. And I thought it was just cool to see all of these legends again. I mean, I remember 50 and now 75 and, you know, years have flown. Uh, but I, you know, just thought it was so cool to see all of these these legendary people in the same room, you know, the entire history of the NBA. Um, but I was struck by some of the snubs, guys who should have been there, who at least I thought should have been there, who didn't get the call. You know, my thing for, for an all-time historic great is could they play in any era? And so there's guys who played in the 60s and 70s who could definitely play today. And would still be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pistol Pete Maravich, if yeah, he's given oh the same, gosh. same, same opportunities and the same training regimen, and 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 watching the game evolve, a guy like Pistol Pete, who, who led the NCAA in scoring, I think the record still stands, um, would certainly be able to start shooting like a Steph Curry if that was was the way the game evolved. Uh, Clyde Frazier would still be. Um, uh, 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 on the ball, ridiculous defender, and and shoot a point guard. He would be. He would remind you, believe it or not, of of, of a Clay Thompson. The games are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are guys who could play in any era. But then there's other guys. Koozie back in the forties. Koozie, yeah, I, I was gonna say, <laughs> mm. me too. Koozie, who probably would not be able to thrive in today's game. Uh, and I don't know that uh, Paul Arison. I never saw Paul. I don't. I don't remember the. I didn't see the guys in the forties and fifties play, so I can't. I can't speak to their 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 game. Uh, but some of these guys, as I said, from the sixties, I, I believe Oscar Robinson would still be effective oh, today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe a Dave Bing. I believe Earl Pearl would be effective today, given um, their skill sets. And again, you know, with the opportunity the to work yeah, out yeah. And, and the logo. Yeah, if these guys have to do nothing but play basketball year-round. Remember, these other guys in the 60s and the 50s, they didn't make any money. They had, they had jobs in the off-seasons. Right, they worked in the off-season. You know, they were smoking cigarettes in the locker room. So these are not guys <laughs> who were in the best shape. But if they were given the same opportunities today, imagine if Wilt Chamberlain had the nutrition, uh, the diet, the personal trainer, uh, that a lot of these guys have, and and you bring all that athleticism to today's game, he would still be dominant. Kareem would still be dominant. Akeem would still be dominant. You know, we we marvel at, at the Joker and and Embiid, but these are just evolutions. They're not they're not revolutionary plays. They're just evolutionary plays. They just evolve uh, based on the way the game is. But those other big men, David Robinson, they can still ball today if they were. You know, if if, if if they were coming up in, in, to, in this time. You know, uh, so again, I say that to say this. 
there were guys left off that list. And I'm just going to toss out some names and we'll, and uh, maybe you guys have names that you want to add. But I certainly thought that Bernard King Definitely. should have mm-hmm. been there as opposed to, say, Bob Cousy. I think Alex English got shit on by not being mm-hmm. put in that list. Adrian Dantley, certainly. Uh, maybe Sidney Moncrief. I don't know what Sidney Moncrief's career numbers say, but I remember watching Sidney Moncrief. He was Moncrief a beast. And I thought, he was a beast. That guy, you know, he's, he's playing at a different level than everybody else. Uh, but those, I think those guys had made the NBA 50 and they got moved off the list, you know, uh, to allow for some of this new No, talent. no, no. Actually, like, I mean, anybody, anybody was, the, it was only essentially the NBA 25 because everybody, everybody who was on the 50 made the 75. So you only added 25. 25 slots. Right. So that's why a guy like Kuzi, who shouldn't have been on the 50, but I guess he could be on the 50 because it was such a small sample size. But truth be told, okay, fine. We'll put him on the 50 for whatever reason but when the 75 <laughs> happens he's got to be because he doesn't quite because he's not good i mean he's he was he was elevated because he played with uh mr russell that's simply the and, and i guess Sam Jones and, and but he, i mean you, we, I, I know it's you know re- recency bias to say look back at a guy and go well you know he, the way he played you know that wouldn't fly now but there was nothing that koozie necessarily did that was special i mean if you look at his stats Shooting percentage wasn't that great. And all these other uh, uh, metrics are not that great, even for his era. But he's, you know, he played on a team that won a bunch of games. So I guess it would be tough as an NBA to say, okay, fine, you made the fifty, but you didn't make the seventy-five. It's tough to kick somebody out of the Hall of Fame, quite frankly. So that's why. This- well, didn't Bernard King? Bernard King made the fifty. No. I don't anybody think he did. On, no, sh- anybody no, who's on the fifty, he did. anybody who's on the fifty, he didn't make it. Made the seventy-five. So you only had right. twenty-five slots available. So, so like a guy like. Tracy McGrady probably should have been on it, but Tracy T Mac. You got yeah. Vince Carter. I see. I don't think Vince Carter, Vince Carter deserved to tougher, be on, yeah. on the fifty or the seventy-five. I mean, I get he he put up. Listen, yeah, he said numbers. No, 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 no. You tell me he's he wasn't better than Russell Westbrook. Mm. You, to, uh, you, to, uh, you know what? You have to, I would have to equate that to like. Okay, I don't know. I'm, I mean. Because I'm gonna give you so long, I'm distorted now. I'm gonna give you guys a, uh, the name of a player, and I'm not talking about how he plays now, but I'm gonna give him a name. But before I, I give you this name, and I think you guys are gonna agree, he's a center. Um, the supervisor, the supervisor had mentioned he didn't see the players of the '40s and the '50s, and I just want to go on the record, Unc. Um, I didn't know that was coming, and I'm pretty sure if you were consulting, you could have provided some oh. insight on those players from the '40s and the '50s. I don't know why your son Ooh, does boy. this, but I would have <laughs> called you if I knew this was coming up. But I just want to let you know, I did not know. If so, I would have consulted the, the 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 basketball phenom of the family. I don't know why he wasn't called. Well, anyway, um, it would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after the after the social yeah. service debacle, we need to straighten I'm, this I'm out a, right now, man. I'm, I'm gonna have Shelly write you a letter <laughs> <laughs> before you come into the studio next week. All I wanted to do is let folks know I heard the complaint, and I will uh, move it forward. If something comes up, I think that you two are needed. I'm putting it out there. We should have called you. Well, anyway, when you look at <laughs> Dwight Howard's numbers. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I agree. Yo, how the hell he ain't in there over Bill Wharton? I'm like blown away. 
Dwight yeah, Howard's a, numbers? Come on. It's just not right. See, Bill Walton gets a lot of leeway because, I mean, you know, prior to, but prior to the injuries, so what? Bill Walton is a, is a definite yes. I, and I, I, you can make that argument about a lot of players Trace, prior to injuries. Tracy McGrady and, and, and Grant Hill. Exactly. Grant Hill, right. So, uh, so, but Bill Walton gets a lot of, and I don't get it. I don't understand why. Yeah, I thought he was a great college player, and that certainly that that that, that the one championship he won pretty much by himself. I mean, he won with the uh, with Larry and, and Robert, but uh, for him to to get in, as you said, over Dwight Howard, you look at Dwight. I think numbers? that's kind of that's that's a little criminal. Well, I mean, because Dwight, I mean, yeah, we can talk about Dwight Howard's. You know, as, as you said, as he is now, yeah, as he is cool. now, no, he's a shell. But when he was um, doing it, when he was doing it, right. them numbers were ridiculous, man. Well, I, I will fight back on one guy you just said, Tracy McGrady. Yes, I believe, because Tracy McGrady had two distinct dominant careers, the Toronto years and then obviously the Houston. Actually, Houston. Sorry, three. Toronto, uh, 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 Orlando. Orlando, and then oh, Houston. Right. I forgot about Orlando, yeah. Grant Hill was on that path, but once he, once he left Detroit and got hurt, uh, in in because uh, never he never he never really I mean that he almost died, but he because of the infection he had the staff infection he had in wow, his legs so he never yeah he never got he never got to be what he was going to be because when he was in Detroit he was a problem <laughs> and he got got to Orlando and got hurt I don't think he even played like the first because him and McGrady went together both as free agents they never even played together and by the time Grant kind of got on the court he was nowhere near Detroit Grant or well, Duke he, Grant. Yeah. He got the staff infection. I mean, it, that was a function of him playing on the in the playoffs on on pretty much a broken ankle. Yeah, and then he had the surgery, and after that, I, I guess as he was going to Orlando, and the surgery didn't, uh, he got a, a staff infection there. And, and, and people that don't know about staff infections, we hear about them all the time. They are the most devastating thing um, when they're out of control. And what it is is, it's generally speaking, a staph infection is is a antibiotic resistant. Infection. If I'm correct, right. um, I don't mean to cut you off, Anthony. Bill Walton made the first 50, if I'm correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. So anything after that, they add the next 25. Yeah. So Dwight Howard should have been there over um, um, Anthony uh, Davis? Definitely. I think over AD. Yeah. I, think I think his so. numbers are better. With, with his body of work. If, if you compare right. incentives and stuff. I agree with you 100%. So he should have been over Anthony Davis instead of Anthony Davis being there. Uh Joe Dumas should have been over Russell Westbrook or Tracy McGrady or one of them guys because of mm. what they have put into the game in their body of work. I don't know about that one. That one I'm going to fight. Like Joe Dumas? Dumas over, over Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook? See, the problem with Westbrook right now is he's getting crushed for this year. No, I'm not this year. I'm doing his whole career. He, his he's whole a career. triple double guy, but he ain't never. What, what has he done after triple doubles, Mark? Well, if, he, don't say, don't tell you he didn't win a championship because there's a lot of guys in there who didn't win. No, no, I ain't saying about championships. I'm talking after I, the triple I, doubles. I think he's been a, he's had a stretch of a good maybe five to six years of, of being a top he's ten a, he's player. Top player. Maybe, easy, and, easy. Yeah, but McGrady is the one that that's I scratch my head and go, how did he not get there? Because he had three distinct dominant careers. You know, the the three and teams: three teams Toronto, yeah. Orlando, and. Houston. By the time he got to Knicks, I mean he was fat. He was fat, McGrady, and all that stuff. But he had right. three years where he was at one point. Well, the, he was the, the argument was him, him and, and, and Kobe. Yeah, so right. he should have been on that list, in my opinion. Dumars, I think, un, uh, falls in the category of a very good player, a solid player. player. I don't know if he's a seventy-five. You can write the history of basketball without him. And that's what should be the criteria for like that's usually the criteria for Hall of Fame. 
can you write the history of basketball without this player? Now, I guess that argument would put ass, uh, bum ass Kuzi in there. But if you look at those teams, yes, he was instrumental in those teams. And then obviously in his GM year when he had helped build the, uh, the Larry Brown championship team, I don't know if he's that player. Because okay. it just doesn't All seem, right. I, I don't know. And it, it's like, I feel like I'm slighting a guy who's very, very good, but it's not the Hall of Very, Very Good. It's supposed to be the Hall of Fame or okay. Hall of so Great. So we'll take Joe Dumas out. We'll throw Bernard King in there then. Easy. Easy. I think Bernard has a better better argument than Dumas, in my opinion. Okay. Well, here's the, here's the argument for Bernard King. I mean, they finally put him in the Hall of Fame, but Bernard King's numbers and, and James Worthy's numbers are almost equal. If you look at their career numbers, Bernard they're the better. same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm saying I'm talking about career numbers. So this, this is this is you know compiling it after the injury because remember Bernard King when yeah. he tore his ACL yeah. up. This is before they had ACL <laughs> right. surgery. Right. Right. He had, I don't know what he did with the, you know rubber bands and and, yeah. and paper clips was holding <laughs> that knee together, <laughs> and he was still able to make an All Star game without a leg on one leg. Yeah. So uh, you know most guys you know when they tear the ACL. I mean look at look at uh, uh, I mentioned it before. Um, uh, Golden State, which is uh, uh, Clay Thompson. Right. Clay Thompson has torn every bit of those legs up, and he's coming back, and he will eventually be back to his his uh, you know his old self. But R. King never had the you know the the medical opportunity because it, it was just a function of time. I mean, you know, guys like him and Gail Sayers, they just missed oh out on the gosh, on Sayers. the on the on, on the medical treatment of of these 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 tears. But Bernard King had dominant. Dominant years yeah. uh, of, of 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 play before that injury. I mean, that injury. I mean, yeah, obviously he had some some issues with alcohol. That's why I think uh, they keep him out. West. That's why I think they keeping him out because he had a but, uh, he had a couple of those those early years um, out in Golden State, and then he had even when he came to the Nets where there was a, a an issue with drinking. But when that cat was on it, and he was on it a lot more than he was drinking. He did it at the University of Tennessee. And then he, show. exactly. Yeah. And then he came to the NBA. And when he got with the Knicks, you couldn't do nothing but, but kidnap him. Hope he ain't show up. <laughs> he did the same thing on the baseline, Fly. post up, fall away, bow. This cat had two back to back 50 point games, man. I'm like, in the playoffs. In the play- yeah. I'm like, yeah. God damn, he that good. Yeah, his, and he his, was the his, only guy the Knicks had. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, the whole the the, the 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 Pistons only had to stop one dude, him, and he still put like you said back to back fifty. Well, they put Kelly uh, Trapuca on him. That was a bad decision. <laughs> you know he was going to get it. Sorry, Kelly, you you was tough, but you ain't want nothing to do with that BK man. But Bernard gave it to everybody because I think he led the league in scoring one year about thirty two a game, and yeah, I'm yeah, like. Yeah. Right. Yo, I'm like, how unless he says something to somebody we don't know about, because number wise, when you put him against the best and you 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 know, you, you, you can't even if you don't include the years where he was hurt, his numbers are still there. He still yeah. got those numbers, man. I agree. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. And, and Alex English to not yeah. make it. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Dantley. I mean, I never like Adrian Dantley's game. I got to tell oh, I got to keep it 100. I'm an AD fan. But, oh, uh, man. I couldn't stand watching him play. Buckets. Oh. Yeah. Buckets. Uh, buckets. No, he got, yeah, he definitely, yeah, it was it was an ugly game, but he definitely put up, put up numbers. But, but Alex English. Was sweet. Uh, should should have been on that thing. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Dwight Howard. I mean, I'm sure there's other guys 
that uh, Clay Thompson. I met, I've said Clay Thompson three. This is the third time I mentioned Clay yeah, Thompson. Clay Thompson didn't get added to the to the next twenty five round. I mean, I love Dame Lillard. I, I I think Dame is is the next generation, and certainly probably has earned a spot. But but how are you leaving Clay Thompson off that list? Yeah. How you how, you know and, and and as I said I don't know about Paul Harrison I don't know George Mike and I know it was like the first big dominant big, big man. man and if you're writing if you're writing the history you're right if you're writing the history of the NBA to Mark's point then you have to include George Mike but George Mike could not play in the in the sixties I don't think he'd be dominant certainly in the seventies or the eighties mm-hmm. uh, maybe he could play in the sixties but I, certainly not in the seventies or eighties um, and I'm not sure that he would be effective. You know, uh, in today's game, right? And and as I said, to me, that that to me is the is the real thing. If if given all of the same training tools, all of the same uh, dietary, you know, diet uh, deal, and 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 the and the, uh, the training staff that we have today, and the ability to play the game year round, and you took. You know, you just started pointing at guys and saying, I'm going to bring you to the future and let you play basketball. A lot of guys would be able to translate to today's game. I just think that guys like, uh, to Mark's point, like Bob Cousy, I don't I don't no, believe that no, would happen. No. But a yeah. guy, we, we transferred, if we gave him today's analytics and, and nutrition and stuff, who was a problem in his day, who would be impossible now. If you gave Larry Bird the stuff that they got now, oh, all, you couldn't stop him. Then, right, a, uh, a steroid, <laughs> not steroid, like little taking the steroids, but a guy with that training, that focus oh. on, you know, running, he wouldn't be running the what you call stairs. He'd have some kind of other thing that would allow him to maybe preserve that back. Mm-hmm. Man, Woo. that dude would have been, <laughs> it'd have been, been a, 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 a real, real problem of how we gonna stop this dude because at that point now, you're bringing the three point shot. I mean, he shot him on occasion. They would. I mean, I mean, I know Steph changed the game, and he definitely has. I mean, he's created a whole new level of players. But my gosh, Bird would have been a pain in the ass right now. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I mean, you know, if 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 the game had had changed to a point where where it made sense for the again, remember when Larry Bird played in the eighties, and these guys played in the eighties, the three point shot was not the first oh. shot they took. That no. was the last shot they took. Right. So, but if you said to Larry, a guy like Larry Bird, say, "Listen, man, um, you can shoot him anytime you want." You can shoot him from anywhere you want. You mean to tell me Larry Bird wouldn't be putting up stupid record-breaking numbers on a regular basis? Oh, my gosh. He was the proponent of, of moving the line back. He was like, we should move right. the line. I mean, that guy, he would take the, the three-pointer as you know after he lit you all up in all the mid-range as a dagger. And now we call him the heat check. But he would come down and say, you know, I'm, the stories about Larry Bird, about what he would say to people. I mean, everybody talk about trash talking Gary Gary Payton talked about how great trash talking Larry Bird is, which lets you know how great trash talking Larry Bird is because Gary Payton talks constantly. And he talks, he tells stories about how Larry Bird was just unreal. Just, and I, and the thing is, I hate that. I mean, now as an adult, you know, with some sense, I couldn't stand watching him play because I couldn't believe that he was that good until I got old. I was like, that dude was, he was. Mm-hmm. He was a pain in the ass. He kept <laughs> my sisters all the time. 
Oh, he, 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 was, he was definitely a bad, bad man. And one thing, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, the training facilities and the meals. Just think about the sneakers those cats was wearing back then, man. Yeah, yeah. Talk about Chuck Taylor. Exactly. Chuck Taylor and Pro these, Kids right, and all that. these Zoom and Air Max and all this on those feet. Oh, my God. They had a, they had a whole nother level, man. A whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, just, just, just in, in that alone, with the, with the sports medicine that they have now, uh, with the sports technology. I mean, again, you're talking about a guy who was seven foot two, two seventy five, and, and a Wilt Chamberlain running up and down the court in pro kids, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or or we actually was wearing Chuck Taylors with no cushion. That big body, you know, they all saw these guys. All of them had the little uh, uh, knee pads on because the knees after a while would start hurting from from the pounding. But if they were wearing these sneakers they wear today, mm-hmm. God, and then who knows? and then Will's nightlife. I mean, you that's easily you know <laughs> couple of <laughs> years. Go nowhere. They stay right at home and go to Instagram, and they come right there. Yeah, a lot easier. <laughs> Cross country. Think about all the wear and tear he would have saved on on his late nights at the bar. Yeah, he says it was a joke, but you know that's. The reality, I mean, because at that point he had to go down Smoke and do all this stuff, room. and you know, and go down. So he would just put he would put on his app, swipe right, somebody would show up at his door, and it would save them time. He'd he go to bed earlier, he would have scored more points. He would have been more rested. Exactly. He wouldn't have been exactly. He wouldn't have stayed. You know, I mean, it's easy. It would have been way easier for him. Yeah, back then, like to the bar and chat up somebody. Oh yeah, get all that. And it's and then breathe all that cigarette smoke too. That was the other thing. So you, you don't get winded the next day when you breathe a whole couple of packages packages of cigarettes. I mean, so yeah, Wilt would have been way better. Um, speaking of somebody who did not make the seventy five list, but will be, make a top ten list of of coaching moves, uh, Juwan Howard. Uh, yesterday uh, decided that uh, you know he was going to be Pretty Boy Floyd and take a poke at uh, you know yeah. the opposing team's coach in in a really bad look. Uh, just to give people background, Dwight Howard is the head basketball no, no, no. Juwan, coach. No, Juwan. Juwan I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Juwan. I said Dwight. I said Juwan Howard is the uh, is the uh, head basketball coach of the uh, Michigan. University of Michigan Wolverines, and they were playing against uh, their, uh, you know, Wisconsin. Big Ten rival Wisconsin uh, Badgers yesterday. And at the end of the game, they were getting blown out apparently. And so he took exception to a late timeout call for a, a team that was beating the brakes off of him. And really, it was it was the call with the, the timeout was kind of cheesy. You know, you don't need to stop the clock at that point. Just let the time run out and let everybody go home. And I think he was upset. So, you know, at the end of the game and the uh, and the uh, congratulations handshake line, uh, you know, things got a little heated and Dwight Howard let one fly. And so I Juwan, guess it's Juwan, been, Juwan Howard. I keep saying Dwight Howard. Juwan Howard, uh, uh, one of the members of the Fab Five, let one fly. And, and uh, you know, Juwan is uh, – I guess he he hasn't set, dealt with the aftermath yet. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they know. I'm not sure they know what's what, uh, what's coming yet or what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think the only thing he can hope for is that Putin invades Ukraine <laughs> this week. It takes him takes his ass off the front page of the news because if it doesn't, he's going to be out of a job. Well, real quick, uh, we have to uh, make this slight correction. Uh, besides the fact that we uh, keep calling him Dwight, he is Juwan. But he took exception. He took exception to the late timeout by this coach. The problem with that is, it was a bush league move for the coach to do it. 
But he did the exact same thing to Indiana earlier this year. He beat him by, I think he wanted to win the game by 18. He was beaten by 15 with 55 seconds left. And he called a timeout the exact same reason for this coach saying he called a timeout. Some coaches, which I don't agree with. Some coaches say we play all the way through the whistle. I don't care if, you know, we're up by 30 and you, a player does a play wrong. I'm going to call a timeout and correct him. That's crap. You can correct that afterwards. But he got mad for what the coach did in the coach's defense saying I was trying to correct. I, 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 I want to make sure my guys had enough time to get the ball over half court. Man, you're up by a ton. What the hell are you calling timeout for? But Juwan did the exact same thing. But the real thing, he just he lost his cool. I mean, he lost yeah. his cool. And I wish, because I didn't, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'm missing it. I'll send it to I, you. Did he, did he, I'm saying, I'm saying, did he, did he double down or did he kind of say like, you know what? Hey, you know what? I lost my cool. I'm sorry. I apologize oh, to my team. I apologize to university and blah, blah, blah. After yesterday's game, he said he's not apologizing. What, what, what the coach did, the coach. Yeah, exactly. He, hopefully he woke up. The coach of Wisconsin called a timeout with four seconds to go. It wasn't 55. It was uno, dos, tres, cuatro. To, to bring his guys in to, to talk about what I don't know. But Jawan, he's got – he didn't understand. Um, yesterday, were there any NBA games on during the day? No. No. It was, of course, it was the All-Star game, right? So the Super Bowl was played the week before, right? Yeah, it was the week before. So you ain't got no football, right? This game was not on ESPN – uh msg or yes this game this game was on channel two so even if you got yeah. basic cable you go get channel two and if you were sports phenom you know you want to watch the game you were watching this game yesterday and he forgot he's a leader of young men mm-hmm. and he put on a display and that's not Jawan. remember no, if you go back to his no. playing days whether in the in the um uh, you know the nba or in college that's why I feel it was something going on prior to that game between him and his coach. And it just, that just, you know, it just went to another level yesterday, but he has to understand and he's getting ready to find out you not Bobby, you're not Bobby Knight of Indiana who they let get away with throwing chairs and choking plays. It, it ain't going to happen for you. You, you, you are six ten, six eleven brother. You cannot use the excuse. I was protecting myself. From no. the five nine, no. <laughs> 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 that ain't gonna work. That's not, but that's what he said. He said, "I know," I and that's what it's a, it's a bad like, look. You're six ten. You're from the league. You still in shape? This guy's yeah. a little punchy little guy. Yeah, you. I mean, you're literally punching down on somebody. Exactly. <laughs> it's the definition of punching. And and he's got. I mean, it's just usually the, the, the what makes it worse for someone like Juwan is that. The things that are said about him is that he's usually the adult in the room. Yes. Like you said earlier, he's the one that, you know, when those Miami teams and yes. and the Michigan team, he yes. was the adult in the room. He, he wasn't, you know, he was. Situation. The, he, so clearly something happened with that coach or something else that made him, you know, kind of lose his mind. I wish, I wish, I wish after you get to the locker room, you're a sports AD or somebody else, when your assistant coach says, listen, hey, this is, you got to say this. You can't go out there and say, you know, I I did that. I'll do it again. Basically, that's what he said. You know, that's that kind of <laughs> that is not going to work because then you force universities to not have to defend the fact that you said I'm sorry. They have to defend something that's indefensible, and then they're going to say, like, I can't do that. You know, we can't have that happen. I mean, he'll do probably you, get suspended by the university, maybe by the conference. Yes, yeah, he's you, in the Big Ten. Right. So the university already said that conduct is unacceptable. 
You know, they went out there. We do not. We in uh, the AD and they uh, they apologized to Wisconsin. So they basically already left him out there on an island by himself because we do not approve of this. This is unacceptable. We will, you know, look to see if further disciplinary actions is needed when they start talking like that. And then you got to go into that room and they start saying, well, Juwan is out of our hands. You know, it's pretty much a wrap now. You know, this is not good. But I, I, I still didn't see what the guy that coach did during that moment that caused that reaction. Um, I, I watched it a couple of times and I know the coach touched his chest when he was trying to explain and you can't touch another man, but Jawan didn't react until maybe 25 to 30 seconds later where now they got their hands in each other face. And now you're forgetting on what stage you're on and everybody's watching this, you know, who, who's home and you're watching a basketball game. And then some of his team participated because I, I figure eventually they're going to start handing out some pensions of the guys on the team who yeah. threw punches. So the kids, all they did, and I don't want to use this, um, is they followed their leader. And I'll just leave it at that. They followed their leader. Yeah, well, I mean, I, maybe. And I, and I, I could be wrong here. Maybe uh, Juwan is upset about the treatment that Coach Sidney Carter at oh, Texas A&M is getting. Yeah. Damn, this you basketball know, uh, thing, man. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guess there's something going on with, with, with uh, yeah. <laughs> black folks in basketball. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's our game. I mean, our game, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but, I mean, you know, Juwan Howard, to all of your points, is a guy – who That's not him. is the quiet in the storm. Yes. He is not that dude. To, it's so out of character for him. Uh, and I'm being facetious when I say that he's upset about Sidney Carter. For those of you who are not familiar with this particular case, uh, an assistant coach at uh, Texas A&M for the women's basketball team, Sidney Carter is coming to fire for her outfits. And apparently people are, uh, you know, Derek, I think you said it best. I'll let you repeat what you said to me about this situation. Yeah, uh, she's a, a female assistant basketball coach at the University of Texas A&M. And uh, recently, uh, the Karens of the world have been attacking uh, Miss Carter because of the clothes that she wears. Um, where basically um, she wore uh, some pink, uh, I guess they were leather pants. She <laughs> you know, you know you're married, right? You know you're married, right? You slow your roll. I, and, I, I have eyes. She looks good. And, and you said it like Barry White. And she looked good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She looked good. And, I mean, there's yeah, nothing wrong with her outfit at all. At all. And remember, it was breast cancer awareness that she wore yeah. the pink, and folks took exception to it because she's shapely and she's not wearing your re- your regular sweats, you know, because a lot of coaches now with due to the pandemic, they wear their sweatsuits, you know, and they got, you know, they're outfitted with, you know, what the uh, the particular sneaker company provides for them. But she likes to dress up and wear heel- heels and a nice clothes. And people took exception to it and attacked this young lady. And in no way it has hindered her job performance. Nobody talks about her job performance on her X's and O's, on how she assists in um, helping the head coach and leading the team. They are focusing on what this young lady is wearing and all she's doing is being who she is. And she has worn nothing inappropriate, uh, hanging in Miss Carter at all. Exactly. At, 
Well, I'm saying it because, you know, I appreciate the the game of basketball, but somebody else might be saying that, Miss Carter, because, well, we know Barry White over there. Um, but I just want you to, uh, you know, we, you know, power to the people. We are 100 percent behind you. You did nothing wrong. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep up the fine work. We're here for you if you need us. Real quick defense of myself. If we can comment and say how sharp dressed Pat Riley was and Chuck Daly, then yes. she's just as sharp. So don't, yes. don't double stand at this. She's she is dressed just as sharp as we said those guys are yes. were, yeah, were and are for one because obviously Daly's dead. So don't come back and say right. you know that she's dressed inappropriately. She was dressed. And, and in particular with the breast cancer thing, you would think there would be more sensitivity towards that. But even it wasn't, yeah, even it wasn't breast cancer. Say she wore, say those pants were black or red or whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, she wasn't out there in a go-go dress. You mean she at was all. dressed in pants? I mean, that's her body. What the hell are we fighting? Oh, not not we, but society-wise, what prudish behavior is that the case? Because there was, I bet you, that same a-hole who said that. Would not say that if it was um, I, I, if it was a guy or anything like that. I mean, that's just that's just asinine to even make it seem like she was doing something or did something that was totally crazy. She was out there like you know doing something nutty. Then you can say, you know what? Come on, girl. Maybe you should you know maybe tone that down. But that was not the case at all with her. Well, here's what I think about about it, and 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 it's not being brought up, but clearly, I mean, you guys are kind of you know tap dancing around it. What happens with a lot of these these uh, women basketball coaches is they 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 dress down to a level where they're almost wearing, you know, the pants suits and almost have a masculine look to to, right. to their outfits. And and I you know I'm not saying you know and let's, let's keep it a hundred since I'm already jumping in the school. Uh, there are a lot of women who are who are gay. Um, and, and, and they're, they're more in touch with that, that, that masculine side of, of themselves. And this is a woman who's just out here who says, listen, I'm, I'm feminine. Uh, I, I like, I like, I like my look. I like what I, I I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm okay wearing what I want to wear. And they're not, they're not dressing down. I mean, if you think about all of the great female head basketball coaches, there is a through line in terms of, of outfits it's like you said it's you know these are women in a lot of cases who grew up wearing sneakers and sweats most of their lives anyway and for them to get dressed for them to get dressed up is almost anathema to them so so wearing something comfortable uh in their minds sometimes is uh not necessarily all that feminine and so here you have a woman um in terms of uh miss carter who coach carter (laughs) coach carter who is uh (laughs) That's who is uh, who is who is very comfortable in her own skin, very comfortable in her femininity, and she's 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 unabashedly wearing what she she wants to wear. And and to Mark's point, they're flattering outfits; they look good on her. So so God bless. I mean, I you know I think it's it's really really sad, and I'm not sure what message they're trying to send. And I, I think you make a great point, Mark, when it, when it comes to a guy like Pat Riley or Chuck Daly, nobody says anything. Nobody, nobody has an issue with that. We all compliment. Oh wow, these guys look so sharp uh, in their outfits, and 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 we move on. And you one want more people to be focused. What, what, what I see it is okay. What I see it is women of color. No matter as, as we talked earlier, um, basketball or being on the news, there's always someone or or people. We have something to say the way we dress, the way we look. 
this young lady, uh, Sydney Carter, if you um, Google at all the games, she's always dressed appropriate, very nice, ladylike, which shouldn't be a problem. But I think it has to do a lot with who she is. Same thing as with um, news personalities to go through the same thing. People complain uh, how they look. You know, you shouldn't look that you look like a whore or something. And they, if you look at these women, they're dressed very fine, beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with them. So I think a lot has to do with maybe race. Just my opinion, the way they see things. They don't expect a, a black woman should look this way or dress dress very nice and appropriate. She's gorgeous. I think. I, I, I think. I, I think to a point. I, th- I think. I think it's yeah. more function of the of the of of where they are. Where, you know. I mean, again, with 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 women's basketball, there there is always this this. I don't know how to even 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 be careful tackle it. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, you know, well, you but, did it but earlier. I, you said just, it correctly earlier. I mean, there is. I just think that that you know, yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. Historically speaking, that elephant's there. Uh, the women have been, you know, they 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 tend to dress down. Uh, they they play down the makeup. They're not they're not uh, the, the the suits are very very big androgynous. They're big, big they and androgynous. They wear oversized right. pants suits. Say what it well, is. Well, right? even more so than this, which is another issue with women in general, not women, but is that a lot of women? We talk about basketball right now, but a lot of women, and you'll see it in politics, drives them crazy dress in a way that makes men feel comfortable because they don't want to be judged on how they look versus what they're doing half the time. So because you're stupid as as a guy, because you can't look past a lady in, in a pink pair of uh, pants and think that her job is any less hard or she's not doing a good enough job because she's dressed that way versus the person in the pink pantsuit, you know, Hillary Clinton style is, is asinine. So a lot of times women think, you know what, I don't want... Him, I don't want to be distracted to him because he's so simple-minded. I'll wear this pantsuit, this uh, boring, you know, quote-unquote dress, because that way all he has to judge me you on is my work. My, my work. Right, my work. My and you see it all the time in politics. It drives me. I always say, do, do, is it against the law for a woman in politics to wear a dress? I mean, it's like they get the politics and they suddenly, the only time you see them wearing dresses on inauguration night. Every other time they're wearing pantsuits and things of that nature, especially the ones that have any kind of uh, I guess a uh, visibility, but in the workplace in general, typically women tend to dress that way because they're so worried about being judged by how they're dressed versus what the hell to do. I don't care if you dress quite frankly, like she dresses, but if you're killing it at work, then you're killing it at work. If you dress like uh, Hillary Clinton and you're messing up my shop, then get out. <laughs> what do I care? It, it's, it's such a stupid way that they have to almost dummy down how they look because we have made it so that they feel uncomfortable or that guys will attack the obvious. Like the, it's like the, the, the woman, and this may be a bad analogy, but it sort of applies. The woman gets raped. The guy says, oh, man, that's horrible. You got raped. Some guy says, what were you wearing? Where were you? Right. Like, oh, you got to be right. kidding me. It's the, misog- <laughs> it's the misogyny. That, it's, 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 it's misogyny still dominates. Exactly. And that's what this really is. It's about misogyny. And even though it's, to your point, Derek, a bunch of Karens, uh, driving the misogyny. Misogyny is is something that 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 can kind of inhabit, you know, any any group, yeah. um, and 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 we can buy into the bullshit from from any angle. Speaking of misogyny and rape, oh, horrible transition, Mark. But I'm gonna go there. Yeah, uh, make this work. I, I watched. <laughs> I, 
I watched I watched the uh, Bill Cosby oh. docu- <laughs> documentary on Showtime, uh, and, and thank God we have penitentiary. Shout out to Richard Pryor, that's a great callback. That's good. <laughs> yep. Thank yeah. God we have penitentiaries because this guy, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we talked about it before. We talked Ooh. about when he got out. We talked about it. Uh, when he was going in, and we, we, you know, he's been a subject of ours for the past couple of years, and and um, I'm not sure if I ever said this on there. I think I probably told you guys in private, uh, but I'm going to share it, you know, uh, because watching the documentary for me was interesting because I was nodding my head to a lot of things that were being said. Uh, they had a comedian on Godfrey who, who I used to know back in the day, and Godfrey got the job. Uh, had a job similar to the one I had when I first encountered uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, what they do, what Cosby did, and a lot of shows, when they tape live, what they'll do is they'll hire a comedian to work the audience in between the breaks. And, and as Mark can tell you, working on, on a TV set, uh, not necessarily the news, because once you start that, that half-hour block, it kind of runs through. But any other show that, that's rehearsed or pre-taped, there's a lot of stop and oh start. Oh, my gosh, yeah a lot of hurry up and wait. There's a lot of waiting around. And so you bring in, you have a live audience and you want to keep that audience fresh so that they can laugh and get the soundtrack for your show. And so they'll hire a comedian to keep the audience uh, hyped during the show. And so uh, Godfrey, who was one of the uh, people that they interviewed uh, for this documentary, was he had that job, I guess, on the uh, Cosby set. Uh, after the Cosby show ended, uh, there was a show that Bill Cosby was producing for Malcolm Jamal Warner. And the premise of the show was Malcolm Jamal Warner had graduated college. Remember, at the end of the Cosby show, Malcolm Jamal, right, yeah. Jamal Warner got into NYU, and they were so happy he had finally, you know, you know made something of himself. And so uh, this show was supposed to be following it up, almost like, you know, they spun off uh, the Denise Huxtable character sure. to a different world, uh, Lisa Bonet, and then Malcolm Jamal Warner was going to have his own show. Uh, where he was going to be a teacher in an inner city setting. Okay, you know, not unique, but all right. And what they did was they hired a comic. You know, they wanted to hire a comic to do the same studio warm-up gig. And this is where life just becomes really, really Forrest Gumpy, but I'll I'll try to work through this as quickly as I can. Uh, I was at the Uptown Comedy Club one night. I was doing a setup there, and there was a bunch of guys uh, who were, you know, pretty famous at this point, or who or, or became famous. Um, and the producer of the Malcolm Jamal Warner show, a guy named, and I'm gonna drop names, uh, so in case anybody wants to question me, they can definitely find out. Uh, you know, I got receipts. Uh, a guy named George Crosby. You, know, you can check the check check the the, the you know the credits of, of the Cosby Show. George Crosby was a producer of this show. And he happened to be in the club that night and he was looking for somebody to, you know, kind of do this thing. And, you know, I didn't even know. I didn't know who he was or what he was about. I, I, I didn't care. And all of a sudden I hear this buzz and people were like, yeah, you know, this guy's producer's here and he's looking for somebody to do the warm-up show for Cosby, you know, whatever, whatever. And uh, I heard a bunch of comics just starting to, you know, do their Cosby impressions, you know. And that was, it was funny to me. I was like, okay, cool. All right. You know, this guy was doing this. Or, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this comic, Talent. Talent was doing it. Yeah, show. no talent. Yeah, talent. Talent was doing it, doing his impression, and JB Smooth. Wow, Mr. Okay. Caesar himself. Mr. <laughs> Caesar himself, JB Smooth was doing his comedy, uh, his his Cosby impression, and you know doing it for Mr. Uh, Mr. Crosby. 
And finally, somebody was like, yeah, man, these guys are good. But you, there's a guy here I know. You know, I, I don't know him well, but, you know, there's a guy who does does one of the best I've seen. And I didn't know. Somebody came, grabbed me, said, hey, man, somebody's looking for you. Who's looking for me? Um, uh, it's, you know, God wants to see you do Cosby. Oh, okay. All right. So I go and I do it. And the long story short, I get the gig. So I go to uh, 30 Rock where they're taping the first episode of the show. They tell me to get there. I arrive at the set and they tell me, hey, man, uh, you know, there's been a change. I'm going to pay you for the day, but there's been a change. Uh, Ellen Cleghorn, who was a comedian who happened to be on the uh, Saturday Night <laughs> Live at that time. She was, she was a cast member of Saturday Night Live. You know, since they were using the 30 Rock and the Saturday Night Live set, you know, they thought it would be cool in, in exchange, you know, if we let her do this thing. Oh, okay, cool. As long as I'm, I, I don't care. As long as I'm getting paid, I'm thinking it's really cool. I, this is close. I'm gonna get to be on on Saturday Night Live anyway. I'm sitting on the on the stage. I'm standing on the stage. This is cool. I'm great. I'm I'm digging it. You know, they got live audience there. So she comes out and she's doing an act and she's she's doing a great job. I, I think she's killing. I'm like, wow, she's doing a really really great job. I'm watching. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And then she starts talking about her boyfriend. She you know she's part one of her uh, bits is you know she's dating this new guy. Uh, her boyfriend, and he's he's from he's African, you know. And so she does, you know, the, the African, you know, voice and everything else. And she's saying that her parents don't like him because, you know, you know, culturally, you know, they they, they keep missing or whatever. All of a sudden, from behind me, I hear I, I hear like the stage doors open. Somebody runs past me, push, almost knocked me down. <laughs> you know, my first reaction: Who the who, what? You know, I, you know. I, Brooklyn and me, you know, kind of, it was like, you know, was on guard. What's going on here? And I look up, I said, oh, snap, it's Bill Cosby. And Bill Cosby is cursing. And he's screaming. He's looking all around. He finally grabs the stage manager. He grabs him and says, get her off the stage now. He's pointing in the dude's face. I'm like, whoa, get her off the stage right now. And uh, stage manager didn't know what to do. So he looked at somebody and I guess he, you know, he, he Got the sound man's attention and they, they cut uh, Ellen's mic. And she was freaked out. She said, What the? F- whoa, whoa. I know they didn't just come up. Yeah. And then so, the, the producer standing there across me says, Yo, man, go out there and grab the mic. I'm like, For what? That might cause a lot of problems in here. I don't want that mic. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Go get the mic. <laughs> All right. And he said, Go get the mic and introduce Malcolm tomorrow. One. Oh, okay. Well, you know, hey, Ellen, I, come, I go out now. Nobody can hear. I'm standing right next to it. There's no mic. The mic is off. Um, Hey, you know, I thought you did great, Ellen. You know, uh, but they told me to come out here and get, grab the mic, and uh, you know, that's it. Oh, so she gets, she gets. I don't think she even looked at it. She's, you know, almost. Had, she held the mic out like it was like like it was like dirty, like a dirty diaper. She handed it to me. I uh, get the mic, and you know, I, I introduce Malcolm to War One. He comes out, you know, gives me the you know fake bro hug and the pound and everything else. And it's like, yeah, thank you all for coming out. To, you know, whatever. So I step on the side. I'm like, wow, you know. Um, so uh I think I might have done some 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 stand up, you know, for a minute or two until he came out. Just a couple of jokes and and then uh, you know, that was it. And so the PA comes over to me later on and says, you know, she takes me to the back, says, Would you like to meet Mr. Cosby? Oh, okay, sure, no problem. So I go back there and I in his dressing room, and he's got a dressing room, which I thought was odd, <laughs> you know, but it didn't dawn on me until later on. He's got a dressing room, he's sitting in the dressing room. Uh, with the the, the 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 psychologist that he was working with, uh, Dr. Poussin, yeah, yeah. Alvin Poussin, yeah. 
He's who was awesome. who's the uh, Harvard Harvard psychologist that he was you know consulting to for the show, and somebody else is there and they're holding court. You know, I'm like, okay, so you know he's laughing, so he sees me and he starts you know doing the, the Cosby faces and the mugging and everything else, and I'm watching him do it and I'm thinking, man, that that's good, and he starts talking to me, and I was like, man, that is the best I've ever heard in my life. That is really good. This is what I'm thinking in my brain. Right. I'm like, this is the best Bill Cosby anybody has ever done. Because it was so surreal to me. It seemed like he was doing an impression <laughs> of, <laughs> of himself, but it was really him. I'm like, oh, and then all of a sudden my brain clicks in. I'm like, oh, snap, it's Bill Cosby. Uh-huh. And he talks to me and he, you know, he's, hey, man, you know, I, I want to thank you. Um, he said, uh, you know, you don't do no shit like that on the stage. You don't do no shit like that. I was like, wow, Bill Cosby's cursing. You don't do no shit like, shit like that. He said, you know, uh, sell it out. Just sell it out to get the laugh, man. I, I couldn't take it. Sell it out to get the laugh. I'm like, yeah, you know, I hear you. You know, but then I'm thinking, wow, really? Really? Um, they say you should never meet your heroes. Right. Yep. And and I, and I and I've come to believe that. You should not meet your heroes because they will always disappoint you. So I tell you that story to tell you the next one. A couple of weeks later, I'm doing a show where they move into Kaufman Astoria. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm, you know, I'm out there, I'm entertaining, I'm doing, doing stand-up, but you really can't do stand-up in those things because there's no time. To re- you don't know when they're going to stop you oh, right. from, you know, doing your act because, again, it's TV. You know, they're just trying to make sure that, uh, you know, the audience stays fresh. And I see this guy sitting by himself. Young dude, good looking guy. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? I said, you here by yourself? He said, yeah, I'm here by myself. I said, wow. I said, well, you don't have a girlfriend? No, don't have a girlfriend. I said, well, shoot, there's a lot of women here, right, ladies? Ah, yeah, there's a lot of women. You know, they start screaming. I said, well, maybe we can find you a date. How's that sound? He said, okay, cool. I said, what kind of woman do you like? I said, you like tall, short? What do you like? He said, I like Italian women. I said, Italian women? That's interesting. Why Why Italian women? Uh, he said, well, I went, I went to Italy a summer ago, and I thought that they were the most beautiful women in the world. I said, oh, so you were like Italy Italian, not Brooklyn Italian. He said, yeah. I said, okay, well, we'll see. What we can. I said, I'm pretty sure there's no Italy Italian here, but maybe we can find you some, some local flavor. That's all I said. You know, audience laugh, audience chuckle. Next thing I know, somebody's tapped me on my shoulder. The same dude, Bill Crosby, he's tapped me on my shoulder and said, hey, man, uh, <laughs> the, bo- the boss said he doesn't like... Um, uh, any racial jokes. I said, what? He said, the boss said, stop doing racial jokes. I said, racial jokes? I said, all I did was repeat what he said to me. I asked him a question. He said it. I repeated what he said to make sure that that's what he said. And I, I didn't do anything. He said, yeah, just stop doing it. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. That was, that was, that was the thing. Then I was also told, now remember I said, I, I met this guy, George Crosby at the Uptown Comedy Club where he was asking comics to do a Bill Cosby impression. When I meet him in his office a couple of days later, he tells me, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't do a Bill Cosby impression in front of the boss because he doesn't like people doing impressions of him. Which told me right there, I said, here's a guy who can't even laugh at himself. That's fucked up. Yeah. 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 So all of that personality was there. And now I see it years later. And all of a sudden, the personality and what people are saying starts to jive for me. And it became very, very real. And, you know, for people who have not seen the documentary, I know you you recommended it, Derek, because yeah. you were certainly horrible defending Bill Cosby. Um, you were Bill Cosby hey, defending. Hey, well, well, uh, I want to go on the record. 
last week, go back to the tape. I said, I'm off the bandwagon, goddammit. I'm not down with him no more, man. I refuse to be down he with him. He was on that bandwagon until yeah. last week. Yeah, um, I was I, I was hurt, man. I, it, it hurt it, me last week. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It and really I think, is. you know, and, and for the audience, if you haven't seen it, when you get a chance and you do see it, and you hear from the people who actually worked as actors and actresses on the show, that's the part that that killed me. Crushing and it crushed me. And then when um what's my man named Denise uh um husband on the show? Yeah, with, right, right. But, you know the dark skin brother when he says yeah. like there was a section just for oh, models. Damn. It, yeah, think about that. There's yeah. a section, and you knew not to look at that section that was over there just for models in a live studio audience. And I said, I was done. I was done. I said, I, I can't do this no more. It, it, it was, it's, it's bad. Um, that, yeah, it's bad. The, yeah. The quote that got me, which I think probably sums it all up. I'm not sure who said it, but they said with Cosby, we thought we were a look. We thought like he's like a Jekyll and Hyde, but come to find out he's just all Hyde. And it's like, yeah, yes. that's like, yes. wow. That's a yes, great you. quote because yes. I mean, it, Chappelle said it perfectly. Well, he, he he does all this great stuff, and he rapes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like he does. I mean, all these things. When you watch a documentary, you'll go, "Wow, that's pretty cool. That's great." But you can't absolve the fact of the big, the elephant. Like, man, Rome. this man was amazing at doing this, and he did that. I, it's sometimes something. Sometimes two things be true at once. That's true. He did that. And the the rape just overshadows everything. Everything. I, I'm sorry, it just well, overshadows say, everything. I mean, y'all y'all remember what I was when I, you know back in the day. I I was trying to pattern myself after that. I know. I was in those yeah, governors. I, I, I was. Comedy I was. I was. I didn't curse. I didn't do none of that, man. I was. You know, I was trying to work clean and the whole nine yards and and you know just trying to you know be that that dude mm-hmm. uh, with the idea that someday I would I would meet him and we we would you know share a conversation. But I'm telling you, after I met him, after that whole thing, after I watched how he, you know, at first, you know, again, this is what people said, too. People, because they couldn't believe it, made excuses for him. Yeah. And so my excuse was, I said, well, you know, he's obviously been successful all these years. He's a producer. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to kick butts. You know, like my man. Uh, uh, yeah, crack some skulls like my man and, uh, and the Godfather said, like uh, uh, Mo Green. Yes, right. Sometimes you got to kick, you got to kick some butts. Uh, so I figured, all right, he's doing the Mo Green, and that's what he's doing. He's kicking some butts. But I just felt like it was weird, and and I noticed that like the PAs were like uber attractive. Now I, I know I I don't want you I don't put you on the spot, Mark, but you work in television. They ain't all. No, 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 no. Yeah, you have a, you have some, but if you got ten, maybe you get one. Most of them are are you know trying to work in that field. Yeah, they're trying to work in that field. You have some who are like you know I want to be on air, so that's how you get in. I mean, I got in on a news side and moved over to production side. But most of them are just, you know, they're trying to get in the business. They're not like, you know, like sometimes you go, you, you're in a city, you go, wow, this is kind of odd. It's, everybody looks a certain way. I remember one time it was uh, Macy's like, oh, all the, the, the spritzers looked a certain right. way. There were no spritzers who looked like Roseanne. They all looked, you know, like J-Lo and <laughs> Hallie and insert person here. So that's how he, 
obviously Kyle set up his deal that it's just it's just bad. It's just it's just so and I mean obviously this is gonna sound so stupid to say. Obviously rape is bad, but the lengths that he went to yeah. to do the things he did makes it worse if that's possible. You know what hurt me with that, and I know we gotta wrap this up real soon, is and it was something Mark would always say when we was jiving around with R. Kelly, like, wow, I'm surprised you guys took that position, man. You guys got daughters. When I heard the two fair skinned sisters, um, and they actually got small parts on the show. Now that is where I saw my daughter there. Right there, I saw my daughter, and that's where I'm like, "That's some bullshit." They were kids, man. You, you, you can't be that creepy, man. They were exactly, and I'm listening to them, and they got nothing to gain. And what drove the point home is in the documentary. They went back to like the scenes where they had the acting at. And oh, I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. That's how that's yeah. that messed me up. That messed me up right there. Where I'm like, this dirty son of a god, man. Yeah, that was that was too much for me there, man. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the Kamal Bell, for those of you who are looking, who will be looking for this, yeah. this uh, docu docu series, uh, is the producer of the show. And and the premise of the show is we, you know, let's talk about Cosby. We have to talk about Cosby. Yeah. And again, um, you know, we had heard. When you're in show business, you constantly hear rumors because there's there's that that there's not that many degrees of separation between you and anybody you could possibly name. Uh, anybody I'd ever want to meet or talk to, you're never that far away, you know, uh, from them in terms of the people you constantly meet or whatever. And if you talk to some guy and talk talk to somebody else, eventually you'll get some stories. And and so those those stories had been around, you know, but the infidelity, we, I just figured the infidelity was, well, you know, I mean, shoot, he's Bill Cosby and, you know, okay, his wife Camille is all right with it. Well, why should I have a problem with it? Uh, but, you know, it wasn't until, and, and I, I had known, I mean, I remember when the, the lawsuit came out uh, from, uh, what's it, uh, uh, Andrea, Andrea, Andrea Constant, Constant, yeah, Constant? Yeah, I remember when her when she when that lawsuit happened, I was like, oh snap, because there was another case too about the daughter. Remember the 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 the, the woman that claimed that uh oh, Bill right. Cosby was a father. Forget about her. And, yeah. he, and, and he had he crushed that young lady, he crushed that woman, and he crushed the girl, and it was like cruel as all cruel could be. He was that, clearly man. paying for this young lady. Yeah. He was paying, he was supporting her. So there must have been some truth to the nonsense. And I'm not so sure. That it was consensual. Now, now you're saying, well, wait a second, that young lady disappeared. So uh, there's always been this funky funkiness about him. And then when he started coming after young black men about the way we act and how we talk and everything else, and it's the, the scene that got to me, the one that I, you know, that I took away. I mean, all of it's horror. It was a horror show. But at the Emmys, when Wanda Sykes is talking to him. Oh, you remember my that gosh, scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like, "Well, at least we, you know, we speak English." Or some nonsense he said to her, and I was like, "Yo, what the? What is this dude's deal? What is his problem?" So, yeah, uh, as I said, you know, you should never meet your heroes, uh, not because all of your heroes are going to be bad people, but more often than not, some of them rape pedestals. We, yeah, some <laughs> some of them happen to be rapists. That's why you should never meet your heroes. Some of them <laughs> happen to be serial psychopathic. <laughs> rapist. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you can say about this man. He is a psychopath. He's a sociopath. Um, and for all of the good that we we think he did, yes, he did it, but that was just, a, you know, that's the same. 
there's no difference from him giving that money to these different organizations and these different groups than for some dude to say, tell some kids, I got some candy. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's all it really comes down to. He's a straight sociopath, and that's what he did. He 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 hid his sociopathy behind uh, philanthropy. Uh, so. Fuck Bill Cosby. That should be the title of this show. The title of this show is going to be Fuck Bill Cosby. If you have not listened to Power to the People, uh, Fuck Bill Cosby uh, is also the, uh, the the title of my, my new book, Fuck Bill Cosby. Uh, if you have not subscribed to Power to the People, make sure you do. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can get us. You can ask Alexa to play Power to the People, and she will certainly spool it up for you. Um, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook at Powell to the People. You can find us on Twitter at Powell to the Peeps, P-O-W-E-L-L, -L, the number two, the letters D-A-P-E-E-P-S, Powell to the Peeps. You can find us all on Instagram, and you can find us next week at your same bad channel. We will see you all then. Peace. Peace. Peace.